Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. It's the Hammer Nigel Show. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. A war still raging. Israel and Hamas in Gaza. Seems like uh, Israeli military making some headway. We're go to Israel live right now. Joel Pollack is Breitbart News senior editor at large. Joel, the last time I talked to you was a couple of weeks ago. You had just gotten back from covering the war with uh, Israel and Hamas. Why did you decide to go back, and, and where are you right now? I'm in Jerusalem right now, but I've been going all around the country from north to south. I've been to the far northern border with Lebanon, and I went to the southernmost point of Israel, and Israel is being attacked on all of those frontiers, north, south, east, and west. In the west, you've got Gaza, obviously the war against Hamas. In the north, you've got Lebanon. It's not a full-on war with Lebanon, but they're shooting anti-tank missiles into Israel, a few every day, and Israel responds with artillery shells. In the south, you've got missiles coming in about one every other day or so from the Iranian-backed Houthi rebels in Yemen, and then... In the west, excuse me, in the east, coming from the West Bank, otherwise known as Judea and Samaria, you've got terrorists who are trying to stage attacks in Israel's major cities in support of Hamas over on the west side in Gaza. So, in fact, this week there was a terrorist attack that erupted at a checkpoint south of Jerusalem. The reason it happened there was that the police stopped a car that was trying to get into Jerusalem They searched the car, and as they were searching the car, and they were about to discover all the weapons and ammunition, the three terrorists inside the car just opened fire. They realized they weren't going to get through this checkpoint, so they attacked the checkpoint itself. But they would have done a lot more damage had the checkpoint not been there. So there's a war on four borders. Now, the most active part of that war is in Gaza, and there Israel is really cleaning up. They are taking out Hamas infrastructure, taking over Hamas bases, uncovering intelligence, digging up all kinds of information. They have unfortunately recovered some uh, sad news. There was a woman who was missing. Her body was discovered near the Shifa hospital where Israeli military has been operating very carefully. They know that Hamas is there, that they have weapons there and other things there. Obviously, they can't go into a hospital, guns blazing. They did ask Hamas to surrender. Obviously, Hamas not surrendering, so Israel's going in there. But going very, very carefully, wing by wing, day by day, they're not in a rush. Time's on their side. And it's Hamas that's running out of supplies, running out of fuel, running out of ammunition. So Israelis are doing a pretty good job. It's just a question of whether there's going to be another front in this war. And when I was up north, I saw a massive amount of military equipment up there. I got pretty close to the border, and... There were tank crews, there were soldiers in dugouts, and, of course, drones overhead pretty much constantly. Those drones are spying on Hezbollah positions in Lebanon, and some of them are armed to respond to any fire from Lebanon. So it's a very, very tense situation here. But in Israel, life is returning to normal. Kids are starting to go back to school again and so forth. Hmm. Because one, one of the interesting side effects of this war is that with the Israeli military in Gaza, there are fewer rocket attacks. And that's one of the reasons Prime Minister Netanyahu is saying we're not going to give Gaza back to the Palestinian Authority when this war is over. When we get rid of Hamas, 
we're going to have to maintain a military presence there because that's the only thing that guarantees Israeli security. I mean, there are kids who can sleep at night in some of these towns who couldn't before because Hamas can't operate as freely as it once did when the Israeli military is right there and they're going to catch anybody who comes out. There still are a few rockets being right. fired every day, but right. it's not like it was. You know, it's, it's, it's much, much, much less. And so the Israelis are saying this proves why we need to be there. Anyway, whatever the post-war situation looks like, it's important to get through the war first. And there's a long way to go still because Israel's operating in the northern part of Gaza. They've now said openly they're going to go into the southern part of Gaza at some point. And they're doing a good job. I mean, they're avoiding civilian casualties where they can. And they are being very careful. And they're getting a lot of terrorists. I mean, the, the casualty ratio is astronomically high in Israel's favor. And, you know, the Israeli public is 100% behind this. Now, there's a question of what happens to the hostages. I was in a traffic jam today because there's a march going on, a five-day march of the family. They're marching from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem to uh, get action on the uh, hostages. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, they know that their government can only do so much, but they want their government to do as much as it can, including maybe cutting a deal. The government says it's trying to get a deal, but it's not going to let up on the military pressure. So that's the mood in Israel. Very patriotic. Everybody volunteering, everybody helping out. I went to a soup kitchen today that has twice the number of people showing up for meals because people can't go to work. They don't have money. It's like COVID, but without all the you know, all the trillions yeah, right. of dollars that, that we can spend in the United States. It's, you know, what would happen if people couldn't go to work and, and kids are at home, the schools aren't open in some of these areas. So a lot of volunteers, some kids spent the day in bomb shelters, which some local adults have converted into playgrounds or kind of indoor clubhouses for kids to do activities when they can't go to school. So everybody's pitching in. It's, it's a wartime atmosphere and everybody is very patient with one another. You don't see a lot of road rage. People are very polite at intersections and, Hey, Joel, let me jump in here real quick. Jason Hammer here. You said something earlier that really caught my attention. Hamas starting to run out of weapons. I think that's an important thing to bring up here because when you see so many people calling for a ceasefire, including high-profile American politicians, I think this is important as to why it should not happen. If the bad guys are starting to run out of ammo, why would anybody want them to have a chance to get their act together again? The only reason to have a ceasefire is to have peace. But if you want peace, a ceasefire is the wrong way to get it. Because Hamas broke the ceasefire when it started this war. There was a ceasefire in place. And the only way there are going to be more Arab states that come forward and make peace with Israel is if they feel like Israel has defeated Hamas. So if you want peace, you have to want Israel to win. Aside from that, Hamas says openly that it wants to carry out more terror attacks. President Biden talked about that this week. He actually quoted the Hamas official who said that they were going to repeat October 7th as many times as it took to destroy Israel. So you can't really have a ceasefire with that. And, you know, even Bernie Sanders, Bernie Sanders wants a pause in the fighting, you know, because he's a left-wing socialist who doesn't really live in the real world. But he has enough of a grip on reality to recognize, as he said a couple weeks ago, you can't really have a ceasefire with a terrorist organization like Hamas. They exist to cause violence. So you have to defeat them, you have to disarm them, and only then can you stop the war. But basically, this war has to stop at victory and nothing less. Joe Pollack, Breitbart Senior Editor-at-Large, uh, calling in live from Israel in Jerusalem. Expand on Hamas for a second. Like, like what, 
what were Hamas's expectations versus what is actually happening? I think I saw, I don't know, maybe it was a blurb in the Times or something about how Hamas thought there was going to be this giant, you know, Arab uprising in, in other countries and even a Palestinian uprising against Israel. Um, it seems like in that area, some of the leaders in other countries seem just fine with letting Israel destroy Hamas. There was a bit of a riot in the streets of many Arab capitals, especially after the fake news was reported that Israel attacked a hospital, which, of course, it didn't do. But, yeah, Hamas is not getting a lot of support. None of the countries that signed the Abraham Accords has dropped out of the Abraham Accords. And even Iran, which funds and arms Hamas, is looking at the situation and thinking, you know what, maybe we just hold our fire on this one because Iran's long-term goal is to become a nuclear power. And they're not sure about getting into this fight in a big way that might cause Israel and the United States to say, all right, we got to take this regime out. we got to take out their nuclear facilities. So I'm sure if you're a Hamas terrorist who was hoping that all these people would defend you, it must be very frustrating that they're going to just let you be destroyed piece by piece by the Israelis. But they deserve it. They attacked yeah. innocent civilians. I was at a military base where they showed us some of the weapons that they seized from Hamas terrorists, either after they were killed or when they were arrested. Hamas had anti-tank weapons, a lot of them, but there weren't really many tanks in the area they attacked. They were using the anti-tank weapons against civilians. They put anti-tank explosives that attached to those large Israeli Merkava tanks with magnets. They attached them to the civilian vehicles at the music festival, and they exploded those vehicles using anti-tank munitions. I mean, mm. it, it's, so, it's so cruel and absurd, but... That's what they did. And, you know, they're not getting sympathy from the rest of the world aside from, you know, American college campuses and people in Western capitals and that sort of thing, because somehow they don't seem able to dissociate themselves from Hamas. But they're not getting the support that they wanted. Hezbollah fires a few anti-tank missiles across the border. And, you know, again, that border could flare up into a full-blown war. But for now, it looks like if things continue as they are, Israel is going to destroy Hamas. It'll probably spend about I guess, you know, several months, maybe even a year, completely mopping things up, getting rid of the tunnels and so forth. It's going to take a while to, to do, but they're going to do it. They're doing it very steadily. And there aren't going to be Arab countries coming to invade Israel. Now, that doesn't mean Israel can't, uh, you know, that doesn't mean it can, it can sort of sit on its, uh, rest on its laurels. And, uh, you know, who would have thought that Yemen would enter this war? Yemen is so far away from Israel. These these missiles that they're firing are traveling like a thousand miles or something to get to to get to Israel. They're being shot down over the Red Sea by Israeli missile boats and in some cases by American missile boats and Saudis. But you know this is this is uh, a risk now that Israel has to be on guard about. But uh, look, I think if things go as they will without a ceasefire, Israel is going to defeat Hamas and hopefully get as many hostages back as they can. And did you write and one more thing before we let you go? I mean, are you seeing? support for Israel. I mean, we saw, you know, pro-Hamas demonstrations try to break into Congress this week, but also that march for Israel, um, according to your headline, broke uh, records there uh, on the mall in Washington, D.C. It was the largest pro-Israel demonstration outside of Israel itself in history. Wow. I was going to write that it was the largest pro-Israel demonstration in history, but then, of course, there have been larger demonstrations in Israel. But it was very, very large. There were Two other events that were similar in scale. In 2002, there was a march in Washington 
a pro-Israel march during the Second Intifada. And then in 1987, the Jewish community had a big march on behalf of Soviet Jews who were not allowed to leave the Soviet Union. And those were big marches, but they didn't get close to 300,000 people. That was a big, big march. Well, Joel, thank you uh, for taking the time to call us live from Jerusalem. Breitbart, senior editor-at-large, Joel Pollack. Stay safe, my friend, and uh, we'll keep us updated. We'll talk to you in a few weeks. All right. Thanks, guys.